Hey y'all, and welcome to Southern Fried Spooky, the podcast home of all things Southern Spooky, and this week, Alien Abductions. Okay. Yep. I'm your Carolina girl, Heather, with a cat in my lap. And me, Mop, Try again. Oh, sorry. Your skies are slipping. I was speaking in Alien. My bad. Um, I'm your Florida man, Tony. And being from Florida is probably just as weird. Yes, it is. We hope you're keeping cool these days during this vicious summer that we're having. Yes. So please chill out on our Facebook page. See what I did there? Yeah. And leave us some comments. We'd love to see you on Patreon or Instagram. And if you don't, you get probed. Ew. <laughs> Tony has told me that some of his friends are sitting around in groups and encouraging or possibly forcing their other friends to listen to our show. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that, and I kind of love the image of this like 1940s families gathered around yeah, the radio. Yeah, that's what thing. I was thinking. Yeah. So yay, you have good friends. Yay. If my friends do that, they haven't told me, but I know my, a good many of my family members do this. Yes. <laughs> so today, we're discussing alien abductions, more specifically, an abduction case that took place in Mississippi in 1973. It is known as the Pascagoula Abduction. In a stupid little town of Pascagoula, it was a... And was an alleged UFO sighting and alien abduction in which Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker claimed they were abducted by aliens while fishing near Pascagoula, Mississippi. Now, when you first told me about this, I had asked, had you ever seen or read the book Fire in the Sky? I've heard about, about it. About Travis have not Lawton seen and it. him being abducted. Were they in the, the 70s? Um, lumberjacks? The lumberjacks. Yeah, yes. I am familiar with it. But that's what I. When you said Pascagoula, Pascagoula. By the way, it is spelled P A S C A G O U L A. Just for the people who aren't from the U S. who listen to this. Um, <laughs> but no, that's what I. That's what I had in, in, in like initially thought when you said this. I was like, oh, I don't oh, know yeah. where that took place. I, I think it may have been like West Virginia. Well, we'll get around to it then, it, I'm sure. Yeah, indeed. Do you want to hear about this one, though? Sure. All right. Always interested in my brethren taking human life. I mean, um... <laughs> <laughs> On the evening of October 11th, 1973, 42-year-old Charles Hickson and 19-year-old Calvin Parker told the Jackson County, Mississippi Sheriff's Office that they were fishing off a pier on the west bank of the Pascagoula River in Mississippi when they heard a whirring sound, spotted two flashing blue lights, and observed an oval-shaped object 30 to 40 feet across and 8 to 10 feet high. Parker and Hickson claimed they were conscious but paralyzed while three creatures with robotic slit mouths and crab-like pincers took them aboard the object and subjected them to an examination. Mm. I hope they had their number two pencils. Indeed. Following the incident... Hickson, what is the capital of China? Tell me! <laughs> Hickson gave interviews and lectures, appeared on television, including an episode of the game show To Tell the Truth. Ah! Which, I don't remember that one, but that's okay. Wait, you don't remember that one? I do not. Actually, um, one of my... Uh, this is a little off topic, but one <laughs> of my... Um, one of my fr- my favorite his like people in history was on to tell the truth his name was Frank Abagnale and he stole like 10 million dollars in fraudulent checks 
Wow. And, like, he got chased around the country. And they actually made a movie with um, Leonardo DiCaprio oh. and Tom Hanks. Was this the Catch Me If You Can? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, there was a lot involved in that. But, uh, yes, off topic, but very cool. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Yep. In 1974, he claimed additional encounters with aliens. And then in 1983, he authored a self-published book, UFO Contact at Pascagoula. Can you imagine that? The aliens who actually carted him off the first time came back and Hi, Charlie. How's it going? We're <laughs> back. We're just doing a follow-up exam. <laughs> Is this covered by my insurance? Well, we, we saw a little, you know, kind of... There was something on the scope when it came to your proctology exam, and we want to reevaluate that. Parker attended UFO conventions and in 1993 started a company called UFO Investigations to produce television stories about UFOs. Which is cool. And I know they have a new name now, Unidentified. Uh, I don't remember. It's like UAE, UASP or something? Yeah, I have no I'm idea. not sure. You'd think someone would research this stuff. Yeah, right? Aviation journalist and UFO skeptic, as if that's... Is that, like, um, an actual job? Like, to be a UFO skeptic? Can you put that on a resume? It's like, I worked at McDonald's for five years. I worked at Taco Bell for three years. I'm a UFO skeptic. (laughs) From the years of 89 (laughs) to 91. (laughs) Oh, so you stopped being a skeptic. I did. (laughs) Philip J. Class found discrepancies in Hickson's stories. Noted that Hickson refused to take a polygraph exam conducted by an experienced examiner and concluded that the case was a hoax. Skeptical investigator Joe Nickel wrote that Hickson's behavior was questionable, dude, he's from Mississippi, and that Hickson later altered or embellished his claims. Okay. Nickel speculated that Hickson may have fantasized the alien encounter during a hypnagogic waking dream state. I guess that's like a fugue or something. And suggested that Parker's corroboration of the tale was likely due to suggestibility because he initially told the police that he had passed out at the beginning of the incident and failed to regain consciousness until it was over. A claim supported by Hickson during his To Tell the Truth appearance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, there are some cases that people have claimed that they were, um, you know, experiencing being abducted by aliens where, in fact, they had strokes. Oh. There was a case where a girl said that she was abducted from her hospital bed. Oh. And while they couldn't find her when they went in, initially she was gone. This girl was like 13. When huh. they walked in, she was gone. They later found her underneath someone else's bed, and it turned out that she had like two strokes. And each time she hallucinated really bad. Wow. Yeah. And then there are the other people who seem to have blocked it out, like Betty and Barney. Yeah. Um, and it only comes back under hypnosis, and yep. they get little bits at a time. Now, Calvin Parker, the young one, um, if you look up pictures of him in his young days, whoo, cheekbones for days. Oh, wow. He didn't speak about it at all until fairly recently. Including an interview with Country Roads in 2021, he told the interviewer, For 46 years, I kept it a secret. I didn't even tell my wife about it, but I think she knew. It was his first day on the job at F.B. Walker & Sons Shipyard, a job that Hickson had helped him get. Yeah. He was 19 years old. I cannot imagine getting married that young. That sucks, yeah. Aspirations to live a simple life. I wanted to get married, have children, have grandchildren. I wanted to buy a house, retire, and fish. (laughs) 
<laughs> said wow. Parker, now 69, over the phone from the back porch of his current home in Moss Point. Also, Mississippi. So the retiring and fishing has come about, but it was a long battle to get there. The events the two men reported that night thoroughly derailed Parker's pursuit of a quiet, mundane life. It all started when Hickson asked Parker if he wanted to go fishing after work. Parker, new to town, hadn't brought his fishing gear with him, so Hickson offered to loan him his, well, some of his. Yeah. According to Parker, now for a man that loves to fish from the south to offer you to use his fishing equipment, that's just unheard of. It really is. (laughs) So they tried fishing in one location, and swarming bugs, which sounds like mosquitoes, midges, and gnats, prompted them to head back to the shipyard, where there were fewer lights to attract the insects. Yeah. Parker, this sounds like me, posted, you know, pointed out posted signs to Hickson when they pulled up, but Hickson brushed him off and um, said, that don't mean nothing, I fish here all the time. Yep. So they walked down to the old pier, cast out their lines, and waited for a bite that wasn't a mosquito. <laughs> in a 2018 interview with... Well, the- it's Mississippi. The mosquitoes are just as big there as they are in Florida. <laughs> Which, they're frighteningly huge. Yes. In a 2018 interview with the Clarion Ledger... Parker said he noticed blue light reflecting off the water, and his initial thought was law enforcement officers had arrived to tell the two fishermen they needed to leave the prop the property. Parker said, Charlie, we in trouble. You lied to me. We fixed him to go jail. Wow. However, when Parker looked up, he realized that the light was coming from a craft, like nothing he'd ever seen. So the men stood up, they turned around, and they said they saw instead a long ovular craft floating two feet from the ground. Is that a real word? Ovular? Ovular? Uh, Oval-like? I've, ne- I've never heard that word used, I guess. It ovulates regularly? I don't know. Oh, well, yeah. And it was emitting a bright light. There was three bulky-looking creatures, I still don't know what they were, that was coming toward us, Parker told me. That I was afraid they'd use their ovipositors! I have no idea if that's what Mississippi sounds like, quite honestly. <laughs> By the time they got to us, I still couldn't see, for the light was so bright. He described two of the creatures grabbing Hickson and one grabbing him and carrying them aboard the craft in a gliding, floating fashion. Are you going to probe us? Why does everyone always assume that? What am I doing? Am I harvesting farts? How much can I learn from an ass? Which must be kind of frightening. Indeed. Now, Parker said the creature stopped at the door or opening of the oval-shaped thing and injected him with what he described as a go-to-hell shot. (laughs) Wow. Whatever it was took him from absolute terror to a sort of peaceful apathy, so kind of like morphine. Yeah. I didn't Uh, care what happened then. Or in my case, uh, Demerol. Oh. (laughs) When I I had my surgery, that was definitely my go-to-hell shot. That sort of, oh, I don't care what happens now. They could have built bookshelves on you, right? And I would have just been like, I'm good. (laughs) Parker described being taken aboard the craft and into an examination room. The creature placed him on an exam table made of, he said it looked like glass. I'm kind of envisioning Pyrex, but given that this is not our technology, who knows what it was. Parker was then left alone. They're going to do the puppy test. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to run his insurance. Yep. That's when something came out of the ceiling about the size of a deck of cards. He said the square-shaped object circled around him, making a series of clicking noises. Parker likened it to an MRI machine that he, you know, an experience he had later in life. So, more like a a, a camera, just like... 
Yeah, kind of like when you go to the dentist, I guess. Yeah. You can just sort of go circle all around you. Yeah, except, you know, aliens have floaty technology. Yeah, yeah. Then a smaller being entered the room, which Parker said made him feel more at ease. This, apparently, looked just like a human, he explained. Parker recalled that the human-looking one opened his mouth with her-slash-its hand. The human-looking creature took her right hand and started to probe his throat. This sounds very invasive. And, of course, he started to gag. So she pulled her its hand back out. Parker had the impression that she didn't want to hurt him anymore. Tonsillectomy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Back then, they didn't ask people's pronouns. Yeah. Well, well, looks like we're going to have to remove the dangly thing. (laughs) That would cause a little bit of panic, I should think. Who stole my uvula? (laughs) The creature that Parker said initially brought him aboard the craft came back and carried him all floaty style back to the bank of the river. Hi, I'm Captain Gleegarg. I will be your your doctor from here on out. He maintains that he thinks this one wasn't actually a creature, but more like a robot serving as a porter of human subjects. Yeah. I guess it's so the little female one doesn't get hurt. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe they recognize female things as being superior. Indeed. <laughs> Hickson was also floated out of the craft and deposited next to Parker. All right, you boys just sit here. Count to 100. When you see the lights turn off, you can go home. (laughs) According to Hickson, Parker was crouching on the ground in, well, quiet hysterics. Initially, both men agreed not to tell anyone about what happened to them. What's so funny? I can just imagine them both like, you know, they get zapped up and all of a sudden they're right back in that spot. And, you know, Hickson's like... That did not just happen. Parker's like, mm mm, mm mm. Nope, <laughs> nope. Hickson's like, tomorrow we say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's initially what the idea was. One of those, did you see that? No, did you? No. Nope. All right. We don't talk about the anal probe. <laughs> <laughs> and initially, they both agreed not to tell anyone. Shaken and in shock, and who knows, maybe a little sore, I don't know, they returned to the car. Now, the car had never had problems heretofore. It naturally failed to start several times before it finally cranked, and the motor sounded kind of rough. Maybe they approached the car. you get out and wave the aliens back. Can you help us jump this off? <laughs> hey, wait, come back. We don't have AAA. On the drive back home, Hickson, however, changed his mind. He thought they needed to tell someone about what happened to them, despite Parker's protests. So Hickson di- dialed Keesler Air Force Base in Biloxi. And I just realized yeah, that I'm this been, is well before cell phones, so they yeah. had to pull over and find a, like been, a payphone. I've been in Biloxi, Mississippi. Ew. It's a very pretty place. Nice. So they called the Air Force Base and briefly explained what happened to them and was informed by what sounds to me like a rather bored voice saying, they didn't handle UFO reports anymore and to call the local authorities. Here come the men in black. <laughs> So now we are at the Jackson County Sheriff's Department. Okay, now imagine you're the sheriff just sitting here. <laughs> it is the middle of the night, and you're like, oh, I've had a long day. I'm going to kick back, drink a little whiskey. So we've been abducted. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the gentlemen were questioned separately about their joint experience, and then they were put in a room alone together. That sounds kind of naughty. <laughs> Where they were secretly tape recorded, even more so, by Sheriff Fred Diamond and Captain Glenn Ryder. That sounds like they should be some sort of magical duo, Diamond right. and Ryder. Diamond and Ryder. 
attorneys at law or like <laughs> Diamond and Ryder PI or something like that. Hey, that's kind of a good idea. Yeah, edit that out. We don't want anyone else to hear it. Yeah. On that tape, they were still talking about what happened to them and how scared they were, said Philip Mantle, a researcher with over 40 years of experience what studying all, UFOs. What is it with all these cool-ass names? I know, right? I put them in a room with a voice-activated recorder. They had that in the 70s? And that convinced me, Ryder said. When that boy was talking about them coming back to get us, you had an 18-year-old boy here. 19, really, but that had never seen anything. He'd barely touching a booby. Please don't. <laughs> Recently, this recording has actually resurfaced. It was about the time the coronavirus hit, Parker explained, when he received two copies of the recording, the one that they didn't know had been made. I'd been talking with him, the officer involved, on the internet. He just showed up at my house. Parker further explained that the man who gave him the copies was an officer with the Pascagoula Police Department on the night the abduction occurred, but for some odd reason, does not wish to be identified. Can you imagine that? The officer, you... Uh, open up, police. Uh, how may I help you, officer? Here, we don't need these anymore. <laughs> Parker said the officer was the one who fielded roughly 50 phone calls that night from people claiming to have seen something unusual in the sky. Wow. What an interesting coincidence. Right. Now, among those who reported the strange occurrence was Mike Cataldo, a retired Navy chief petty officer at the time residing in Rotunda West, Florida. Yeah. Now, I don't know why they would call Mississippi, but okay. Cataldo reported seeing a very strange object on the horizon while driving on US-90 between, okay, between Pascagoula and the Ocean Springs late that afternoon. This one's going to kill us. Yeah. Similarly, Putin brought us a detective Whoa. in Pascagoula a at detective. the time. A detective! A <laughs> detective! Hi, I'm okay. I'm imagining, I'm, I'm imagining a nice young lady, or you know, a, a woman in her thirties. It's like, hi, I'm Putin Broadus. But can you imagine, like, the biggest voice, Putin Broadus, detective agency. It's up there with like Cobra Bubbles or something. Cobra Bubbles, you don't look like a social worker. I'm a special classification. Did you ever kill anyone? We're getting off the subject. But yes, and there were several quotes that I didn't put in here, but they were like, Puddin was a man you wouldn't want to mess with. He never lacked. I mean, just they just called him Puddin. <laughs> well, I um, mean. But he I, informed I, Captain Ryder of having witnessed something strip through the air on the same evening. I'm imagining it. it is a nickname of sorts. One would hope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had several ants with weird nicknames, Tinker and Sugar Pie and the like. But didn't you have one that was named like Pepper Pig or something like that? <laughs> Way back on my family tree. It wasn't her nickname, though. Her name was Fanny Beaver, and she got married, and she became Fanny Beaver Pig. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It was several branches back. Yeah. I have always felt slightly sorry for her. Though I did know someone whose last name was Pig, and then she got married to um, Bacon. Oh, I, wow. My ex-husband's boss at one point. I forget her first name now, but her last name had been Pig, and then she became a Bacon. Was it hyphenated? Like, hi, I'm Deborah Pig Bacon? I honestly don't know. Or Bacon Pig? I don't know, but she collected pigs. Wow. I feel sorry for people with last names like that. I really do. Either you just don't change your name, or you change it to something more interesting, or you just, you know, ride roll, it out. Just roll with it. Just embrace it and just go. <laughs> yes, my name is Lemon Jello. What about it? 
No, 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 it's pronounced Lamangelo. <laughs> so Parker <laughs> urged the authorities not to tell anyone about what he and Hickson reported, and one would imagine there is a certain confidentiality yeah, there, but, yeah. but when they got to work at the shipyard, F.B. Walker and Sons had been invaded by news vans. Oh, I thought you were going to say UFOs. <laughs> yeah, disguised as news vans. Parker estimated that around 200 reporters were waiting there hoping to... I mean, this is like the early days of paparazzi wanting to talk to him and Hickson, so obviously yeah. somebody spilled. Oh, yeah. In addition to the reporters, astronomers, and pioneering ufologists, Dr. J. Allen Hynek and Dr. James Harder... Yeah, arrived in Pascagoula within 36 hours to interview and hypnotize Parker and Hickson. Insert euphemism here. Right. Now, Hynek was the scientific advisor for three major UFO studies undertaken by the U.S. Air Force. Projects Sign, Grudge, and Blue, and Blue Book. Book. Wow. Oh, which when they called the Air Force Base, that was the thing of Project Blue Book, Book is done. We don't collect this information anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, that's still a huge thing. Yeah. They're like, okay, we have enough information. Please go away. <laughs> We're on to volume two! Charles Hickson, who was, as I mentioned, 42 years of... A great number. Yeah. Years old at the time of the 1973 Pascagoula abduction. Now, he was already a prominent figure in the local community. And as such, I get that... Okay, personally, I take that to... He was either in local politics or he was just a character, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those people that... One of those type of people that everybody knows. Well, and as such, he was... Um, more able to handle all of this media yeah. scrutiny. Yeah. He openly discussed his experience with anyone. He even made appearances on Johnny Carson and The Cabot Show. Wow. Which, I mean, that, okay, granted, that goes back a ways. Yeah. In 1983, he published a book detailing the events of the encounter, which I've already mentioned, UFO Contact at Pascagoula. Yeah. And he also maintains that he was contacted two more times, but not abducted. He believes that the aliens can track him and can find him when they wish. I didn't put it in here, but there is a whole explanation of he went to the doctor once and they found something that they can't figure out what it is. And he's, he's is like, I bet it's the alien tracker. Hello, we're contacting you about your car's extended warranty. Both times they relayed messages of peace and assistance for the human race and advised him to just wait. It'll be good. Calvin Parker explained that he lost his shipyard job because of the constant disruptions of people wanting to interview him. He basically fled back home to Laurel, hoping to leave the events of October 11th behind him in Pascagoula. Where they should stay. It was just like a roller coaster. I went to work, the reporters would show up and while I was working, and you know, the people you work for, eventually they get tired of that. So I'd lose another job. Eventually, Parker went by the name Randy to avoid the constant barrage of press. And now I'm thinking of Randy Feltface. Yes. And that's where I went from there to Hyde. But this has followed me all my life. I bet. Of course. Despite the sheriff's secret tape recording, the hypnosis sessions, the polygraph tests, which some took, I guess, backing up Parker and Hickson's story, many of their own friends and family did not believe them. Parker said that he isn't sure about who believed him and who didn't at the time, because he pretty much didn't talk about it. Yeah. His own father-in-law initially tried to talk his daughter, Waynette, 
out of marrying Calvin because he's just weird, you know, and this was all a very religious place that didn't believe in UFOs. Though eventually the father-in-law saw something suspicious that changed his mind and he later apologized. It was his wife, Waynette, I cannot think of a more country-sounding name, who encouraged Parker to write his book to stop going to such great lengths to avoid talking about the abduction. I mean, nowadays, that's a monicum of popularity. Oh, yeah. Like, it would go viral. She got the idea a few years earlier when they were attending a neighbor's wake together. Parker hadn't used his real name in public for years until this time when he signed the guest registry book. And immediately, people started to approach Parker, asking for him to tell the story, requesting pictures. Mrs. Parker felt that this was inappropriate, (laughs) not the right time or place. So after leaving the wake, she suggested that if he put his story out there, people might quit hounding him so much. Initially, he was not interested. Waynette went to the library to check out a book about publishing. This is how it was done before Google. Is it Waynette or Wynette? I don't know. W-A-Y-N-E-T-T. I have not actually seen this name before. I don't know. It's probably Waynette, but I don't... I I couldn't say. Mm. But I love the idea of, in these days before Google and the internet, you went to the library. Yeah, yeah. That's that place where hobos go to wash up and you can occasionally use a computer. (laughs) It's also the repository of a lovely amount of books. Indeed, and they smell wonderful. They do. And in the meantime, Philip Mantle, who I mentioned a little while ago, had contacted Calvin and had been looking for him forever. (laughs) And between me and Philip, she says, Calvin didn't really have a choice. She kind of laughed about that one. Oh, indeed. Philip Mantle had been studying UFOs for over 40 years and to this day finds Parker and Hickson's case one of the most remarkable and credible of the countless that he's researched. In addition to the many books he has written... And I love this. He published under his own Flying Disc Press. Mantle's resume includes former director of investigations for the British UFO Research Association, the formal Mutual UFO Network. MUFON. MUFON. I've heard of MUFON. As a representative for England. Mm -hmm. He first learned about the Pascagoula abduction in the early 80s when the British magazine series The Unexplained published an article about it. It always stuck with me, Mantle said. I don't know what it was, but something just stuck in my mind about it. Please note that you did drop into accent there. I do, but I don't know what section of England he's from, so it was probably wrong. Yes. In that time, after the publication of his book, Parker stated that he no longer has nightmares about the abduction. After the book came out, I put all this behind me. It's out in the open. I've accepted it. It was just a big relief come across my shoulders. His energy these days is spent enjoying his retirement with Wayanette, fishing, and managing an unfortunate recent cancer diagnosis. I'm fighting a totally different battle right now, he said, but it's not the first one. Wow. Now, in 2019, a historical marker was placed near the Pascagoula River across from the site where the still alleged abduction took place. It remains the best documented case of alien abduction, particularly since there is a secret tape involved and not one, but two witnesses, the plaque reads. In part, not the entire thing. Yeah. Parker moved to Moss Point in 2006 and unfortunately suffered a stroke in 2010, which has caused physical limitations. As of right now, uh, 2023, he's just trying to live a good life, 
but visits the site of the alien abduction while fishing every once in a while. Well, that kind of wraps it up for this story. It does. I think that was kind of a good one. It oh, yeah. It covers a lot of stuff. It's partly the alien abduction and then partly the frenzy that came after Especially it. Especially in the 70s. Yeah. When you couldn't just pull out your phone and start recording. Like, right. There was just, there's just so much stuff. Uh, like, I can only imagine what Betty and Barney, what, I mean. I don't actually remember their last name, but yes, Betty and Barney of the 1950s Rubble, abduction. I don't know. Um, but they were also an interracial couple. Which is very unusual for that time. Yep, but I can only and they they were in the, theirs was in the fifties. Yes, so I can only imagine the uproar and the ruckus that caused. Well, I think the thing is, is that they were also otherwise, and I assume it must have been like up in New England or up north somewhere. But they were just a very quiet couple. Mm-hmm. They you know they were very involved in the community, but everyone really respected them. And I get the impression that these two guys, they didn't really know the younger one, yeah. but the older one was a member of the community. Now, there aren't photographs or video, obviously. Well, yeah, like but, I said, you can't just pull out your phone and wave it around and start taking pictures. And, you know, and I don't thing. know who did them, but if you look online, you can find sketches that they drew oh. or that have been drawn to represent this. And I will say that there are three porter creatures the potentially robot things they look very strange they look like the michelin man kind and of. and just just to give this just to illustrate this a little bit everything that a reporter would have to carry in their van reporter plus the cameraman and everything i'm now currently holding in my hand oh absolutely i'm holding my phone by the way our phones are amazing technology so I mean, just I mean, just to get out there, you have to load up the van. You have to mm-hmm. go out there. You have to like it's a bunch of interviewing, a bunch of editing. You can do all that. So back then, a huge frenzy must have taken place. Oh yeah, this was kind of a big deal. Yep. No, you constantly hear about the aliens and how they have the big heads with the the eyes. They call them the grays. grays. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like these apparently didn't look like that. No, I think they were from a different neighborhood. Yep. I suppose. Why do you have a big head and big eyes? Well. <laughs> <laughs> the better to stare at you. <laughs> but well, we anyway. hope you enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. And please let us know what you thought on your Facebook page. And if you ever, if you believe or not, that's the interesting thing. It's like I'm a firm believer in life outside our oh, world. Oh, yeah. So do you yourselves have any sightings or experiences in your corner of the world? And mm-hmm. as always, leave us some likes yep. and five-star reviews. Yep. And thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to see you next week for whatever out-of-this-world topic we have then. Indeed. In the meantime, I'm your Carolina girl, Heather. And I'm your Florida man, Tony. And we are Southern Southern Fried Fried Spooky. Spooky. Until next time. Bye, Bye, y'all. So, I can't quite say that... I've done a lot in my life. I've never been abducted by an alien. I actually kind of think I may have. I think they would have just been like, nope, put him back, put him back. We don't need this one, put him back. <laughs> they would have just been like, oh, Florida, no thanks. <laughs>